Good morning. After a few whistles and squeaks from the microphone, we're ready to worship. We're here to be together as a family of faith, both here in our sanctuary and joining together online. It's so wonderful to be together, to hear God's word together. A few announcements. Oh, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Kelsey Parker, and this is King of Kings, our family of faith. Tonight, our youth group is meeting from 6 p.m. till 7.30. We're on our second week of a six-part small group where we're looking at stories from the Old Testament and thinking about what that means for our lives today. So if you have a 7th through 12th grader and they'd like to come out, they're more than welcome. We are providing snacks, games, good conversation, and a free journal for everyone who joins us. We ask that you'd pray for all of the women that are attending our women's retreat this weekend. Uh, We are with King of Kings and Abiding Presence in Rochester, Vicar Stephanie's congregation. We have about 20 women that will be at the retreat this weekend. So praise God for that. We still have openings if you'd like to join us for one or two nights or even just for the day on Saturday. If you'd kind of like to dip your toe in the water but aren't sure you want to sleep on um, a camp mattress. So please let me know if you'd like to still join us. Our February book club is meeting February 6th at 7.30 on Zoom, and they're going to be reading The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Uh, it's a book that I've read, and it, it's not just something for couples. It's something that helps you in any interpersonal relationship that you might have, whether within your families, your coworkers. It really helps you to understand how we're all so differently wired. If you're interested in that, please contact the church office, and you'll be added to the informational emails, and you'll get the Zoom link when that comes out. Before we sing our opening song, I want to invite you to stand and just greet your neighbors in whatever way you're comfortable with, uh, a wave, a fist bump, or even a handshake. We'll say good morning or peace be with you. Please stand. I had to bail out of that last time. Way too fast. I was like, no bridge, no more car. I'm done with this. Get me out of this song. And if you're joining us online, please type in a hello in the chat so that we know that you've joined us this morning. We'd love to know that you are here. Lord God, your loving kindness always go, goes before us and follows after us. Summon us into your light and direct our steps in the ways of goodness that come through the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. And all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear church, grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Son who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. I'm always amazed at the joy and energy of children. So much of who they are and how they relate to others is a master class in love, honesty, forgiveness, and grace. One thing I particularly love is how a child who is delighted by something is willing to repeat that one delightful thing over and over and over again. Tickle monster at the end of the slide! Again! Peekaboo! Again! Jump scares from behind the cupboard! Ah! Again! There's nothing quite like that smile as they know that they have a parent who's willing to take the time to repeat it again and again and again. 
Today's scripture reading gives us a gift and a promise, one that isn't just good for right now or later today or just this week, but good again and again and again. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, and if you're so inclined, you can pull out one of those pew Bibles that are tucked, I think, every other seat in front of you, and you can turn to page three. It's a little confusing. The Old Testament is numbered like one through 700, and then they start numbering the pages again in the New Testament. So if you flip toward the back of the Bible and look for page three, that'll put you in the book of Matthew. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter four, starting at verse 12. And that's page three in the New Testament. And there's a heading there that says, Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. And we'll have the words up on the screen, but if you want to keep your finger in your Bible, we'll be referring back to these verses later on in the sermon. So it begins like this. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Now, most of the time you'll hear a sermon on this passage around this very prominent theme of fishing. I mean, it's right there. It's the metaphor of the moment as Jesus identifies his soon-to-be friends and followers. It's a great focal point here. But in this text, there's a lot going on. The fishing part is right there in the middle, but it's surrounded by so much more. It started with a little bit of foreshadowing, just a glimpse of Jesus' own future. Did you catch that right at the beginning? In Matthew 4.12, the verse goes, Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, Jesus' cousin, the man sent to prepare people for Jesus through baptism and repentance, had been arrested. Jesus or John's arrest will propel Jesus to get moving in his own ministry, but it also sets the tone for Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. John and Jesus are living in a time, in a context, where proclaiming freedom, liberation from oppression, and the forgiveness of sins is not going to fly. The Roman Empire doesn't want their occupied people to start thinking that they're liberated. Oh no. 
And the religious leaders definitely don't want their believing followers to start thinking that they're simply forgiven because someone told them so. No, there's rules to follow and rituals to perform and designated people who have the right to declare that. And it's into that context that John and Jesus preach, teach, and are ultimately put to death. And yet, it's into that context that Jesus continues to go, to show up, to heal, to teach, and forgive. And that is first and foremost what's going on here. People are being forgiven. Jesus is calling out in verse 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is stepping boldly into a world that it believes that it has all of the rules, systems, law, and order in place and saying, whoa, stop, stop, take a minute, reevaluate, honestly look at what you're doing and repent, which literally means turn around and take a different road. Now, certainly, we can look back through history and be like, oh, man, Jesus was right on. Yeah, those Romans, no, not so good. Those religious leaders, bad. It's easy to spot self-awareness and the need for it in the past. How many of us who love Hamilton just laugh and laugh when King George prances out on stage and in all of his arrogance proclaims that his empire is the only empire and all of us should bow down in fear and we just laugh because we know the revolution came next. Like, seriously, man, look in a mirror. Oh, yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But how much more dangerous and radical is it to allow Jesus' words of repentance to stand boldly here and now in our midst in the year 2023? To hear his words to repent and to apply them to our current global powers, our current government, and even most devastatingly to our own current lives. I don't know about you, but staring in the mirror, truly looking and having a good long look at my life, my decisions, my daily habits, my penchant toward apathy and inaction in a world that's so full of need, oh, that that's tough to do. As Taylor Swift says in her new song, Antihero, I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. Yeah, we don't want to do this hard work. And yet John first and then Jesus come crashing in saying, repent, turn, reframe, reflect. You are forgiven. At this point, are we thinking a sermon about fishing might have been a whole lot easier to hear? Finding ourselves in need of forgiveness can be a scary and vulnerable place to be. But in our text, Jesus, immediately on the heels of calling for repentance, does his next piece of work, which is to find the people that need him. Forgiving and then finding. There's a reason that the story of Jesus calling his disciples from their boats is such an iconic and memorable part of the Bible. Here are these hardworking fishermen doing their daily work when Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me, and you're going to fish for people. And today, rather than immediately emphasizing what comes next, that is the following, though we will get there, 
I want to pause at this point in scripture and help you notice what it is that Jesus has really done. If we back up to verse 16, we're reminded of the prophecy from Isaiah 9 that says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Or if I can paraphrase, you were lost and now you're found. Jesus' work of forgiving goes hand in hand with the work of finding. Finding people. Finding James, finding John, Andrew, and Peter. Drawing them in, creating a community and a new way of understanding themselves in the place, in their place in the world. That verse from Isaiah 9 slash Matthew 4.16 hands over a promise so important, so essential, that we dare not skip over it too quickly. Before they followed, before they learned, before they witnessed miracles and participated in Jesus' amazing life and ministry, before all that, they were found. They were seen. They were valued. They were chosen. It makes me think about the games that I play with my children on repeat, day after day after day. Is hide-and-seek really about hide-and-seek, or is it the fact that mom keeps finding you? Is peekaboo really about peekaboo, or is it that mom or dad is staring at me? Seeing me, choosing me. Is Tickle Monster at the end of the slide really about the tickles or is it about the fact that mom's phone is in her pocket and she's all about me, finding me? It's as powerful a promise and gift today as it was more than 2,000 years ago. You will be found. Not because of your proximity to power or greatness or celebrity, you will be found. Not because of your accomplishments or your flawless skin or your impeccable sense of style or your yearly salary or the size of your 401k. You will be found because Jesus loves you. Jesus sees you. And Jesus makes it his business and his work to be so close to your life and your thoughts and your heart that he'll invite you to walk with him and he'll make you his own. And yeah, finally, finally we get to the part we're used to hearing where Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fish for people or follow me so that we can forgive and find more people. And I think it's important that as people who identify as Christians, who claim to be literally the followers of Jesus, that we're very clear about what that means. We're so quick to think that it's a simple to-do list, the best way to follow, or the music to listen to, the books to read, the inspirational quotes to post, the happy attitude to keep day in, day out, the right words to say, the issues to vote on. We're pretty good at making that list for ourselves. And we're pretty good at making a list of things we ought not to do, the to-don't list, things that make us not good enough, not worthy enough to be considered followers of Jesus. But here in this passage, right here, when Jesus asks Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow, what is it that happens next? 
Who is it that gets busy working in that very next verse? In verse 23, who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. And then Jesus goes throughout Galilee, teaching, proclaiming, curing, and healing sickness. It's Jesus with the colossal to-do list. When Jesus says, follow me, what comes next isn't your extreme makeover to spruce up your image. It isn't a deeper religious education at the synagogue or a to-do list or a new law to follow. When Jesus says, follow me, it's Jesus getting to work to change and to heal the world. I need that reminder today. Do you? The reminder that following Jesus doesn't put the ball in your court or leave the saving of the world up to you. It doesn't mean getting your ducks in a row or understanding everything that confuses you or even knowing what you think and feel about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit on any given day. It simply means you're walking with You're watching, you're witnessing, you're wondering, who is this Jesus? Who is this teacher, healer, forgiver who's found me right where I am in the midst of life and has chosen me? Forgiving, finding, and following. That's not step one, two, and three of becoming a Christian. It is, in fact, a pattern an unending and repeating cycle that we step into each and every day of our lives again and again and again. You are forgiven again and again and again. You will be found again and again and again. To the best of your ability and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will follow again and again and again. And Jesus, our sibling, our brother, and God, our parent, our father, mother, creator, our everything, takes so much delight and joy in you and me that God will repeat this pattern of love and grace again and again and again. May you relax into that posture of being a beloved child. A child who takes delight in the never-ending pattern and knowing that God's forgiveness has no end, that there's no length to which Jesus will not go to find you, and that your following is not a path to perfection, but a partnership in bearing witness to the presence of Jesus in your life and in the world. May we receive this gift today and tomorrow and again and again and again. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, as we come before you, help us to come before you with the ease and the honesty of children. Help us to delight in you as you delight in us. Help us to receive your unending gifts over and over again, Lord, and to be full of joy and hope because you never stop giving. You never stop loving. You never stop showing up. Help us in all that we see and say and do this week to know that you've already found us and that we're following behind you and watching you work your wonders in the world. We pray all this in your holy name and all of God's children say, amen. Stand as you're able for our time of prayer together.
Called together to follow Jesus, we now pray for the church, the world, and all in need. At the end of each prayer, please respond after I say, God of grace, with hear our prayer. Loving God, make your church one in purpose, proclaiming the message of the cross. Help us to work together across our differences. God of grace, hear our prayer. We rejoice at the bounty of your creation. Fill the land and sea with your abundance. Bless harvests in the southern hemisphere and fallow fields in the northern hemisphere. Equip farmers to till and keep the earth sustainably. God of grace, hear our prayer. In Christ, your reign comes near and calls all to repentance. Break the rod of the oppressor in every nation. Dispel the shadow of death in places of war and persecution. Grant us leaders who lift the yokes that burden those in need. God of grace, hear our prayer. Be a stronghold to those in trouble and a rock for all who are afraid. Rouse communities to care for neighbors who need shelter, are facing maltreatment, or are isolated and lonely, especially for those we name now either silently or aloud. God of grace, hear our prayer. Sustain the ministries of our congregation and all churches in our community. We pray for your presence at our women's retreat this weekend. May all who attend be filled with your presence and your love. Nurture every congregation's unique witness to your presence. Foster mutual respect. Inspire our cooperation in loving our neighbors. God of grace, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ our Lord as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to be seated. And as you're seated and together with me, we now take a moment to reflect on our week, to confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. So please join me as we use the words on the screen. We confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. When we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by Christ's authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And please respond, and also with you. Amen. 
At this time, I invite you, if you're at home, to take out your bread and wine or grape juice or here with us at church to pull out your communion cups as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for remembrance of me, the body of Christ given for you. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Finally, thank you to all who are with us here and online for continuing to prayerfully give to support the ministries of King of Kings. We don't pass our offering plate, but we do have places um, hanging on hooks there when you walk out the doors if you'd like to leave an offering, or you can give through our website. We thank you for all your generosity and the way that it helps us to continue to learn and grow as a community and reach out into the community around us. Finally, may you receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.